everybody. Hey, hey, hey. It's Danny here with the X's and T podcast. And I'm really excited. As always, I think I start off every episode saying I'm excited because I am. I have such a passion for this that I don't know that I can ever not have so much enthusiasm about it. But last time we had um, a fantastic person on to speak with us. um, And it was the way that her and I had bonded over the fact that we had struggles in our childhoods. So I would love to welcome back Miss Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hi. I'm really excited to have you back because this is something we could talk about it for hours, literally hours. And the last time we left off on this subject, you had said, what, do you remember what you said? Face your fears and go find yourself. 100%. Yes, you did. Since then, <laughs> I don't know that I faced any fears, but it got me thinking. And actually you and I were recently having this conversation um, when it comes to finding yourself, kind of reverting back to what we had talked about, you know, just as a quick reminder that if I do bring up my mom, it is in past tense. It is not speaking to who she is today. I definitely want to say that I am proud of her for making the changes that she needs for going to therapy, for putting herself first, for doing it for her grandchildren, for her kids. So with that disclaimer being said, we had really kind of dove into, I don't even think we scraped the surface of, you know, some of the things that we went through in our childhood. But I was recently thinking about something that a therapist had said to me once, because I did grow up with a mom who has borderline personality disorder or who did have those narcissistic traits. And it was that kids who are raised with those types of parents often have trouble finding themselves in adulthood. Mm -hmm. I've heard that too. And it's like we, we grow up so fast that as kids, we're adults. But then once we're finally adults, we're free from that. And then we're kids again. Also, I've heard of the traumas responses of (laughs) fight, flight, or freeze. Yes. And then I also recently heard one called fawning and it's basically another survival tactic of like you're, you are imitating the people around you so that you can survive. And that leads to a lot of people pleasing. Yes. We were, I think the amount of times that we have spoken about this (laughs) is insane because it's true. When you grow up with a parent especially being a a parent, right? This is the person who is supposed to protect you, who gave you life, who is supposed to be your biggest role model. When they are making you feel like such a bad person or they smear campaign you, which was my experience, you lose people in your life. You know, as an adult, I'm developing these relationships, but I didn't have those as a kid or I didn't know how to have healthy ones with other people. And I had friends come and go. I don't really have many friends that I've had since childhood. I have one who is fantastic. I will probably be friends with her forever. Thank God. But I think for me, it's wanting to keep people around. And I'm so guilty of like hurting myself in the process of trying to keep a friendship alive because I I just want them to like me. Yep. I mean, like, honestly, if you think about even our friendship and the things that we've gone through, we've had yes. our moments. Yep. It is because of what we've been through and what we grew up with and how we watched relationship and it was our like role model relationships and that comes into play as you as an adult and how you are in any like friendship romantic relationships work relationships every aspect of your life 
it comes into play. Yeah, it does. And that's the hard thing because like I, like I said, you know, it's like putting putting others before yourself, which is not necessarily fair for us because the only person that we're ever going to have consistently in our lives, our entire lives is ourselves. I'm the only person who's going to be a part of my life 100%. I mean, obviously I have kids, mm -hmm. but I'm the only one who's known me my entire life. Why would I put other people before me? Simple answer, because I just want people to like me. And it sucks. I hate that. And you're right. We have definitely, because of where we came from, where we were at our periods of time when we met, have had those kind of toxic bonding moments where I don't think either of us really knew how... I don't. I don't know that we even recognize the toxicity that we were living in at that time. Oh, for sure. For sure. We were, I mean, we understood that we were both like clicking and like on the same level and being able to have good conversations like this, but we weren't self-aware enough of the, the, the cycles that we step into because of certain things that we've been yeah. through and our experiences and how, how that cycle goes. And if you don't step off, it's true. It is so true. And I think taking time and healing is really important. That's kind of what we did was mm -hmm. we kind of needed some time for healing. And the fact that, that I think that's what true friends do though, right? True friends can take some time apart and, and heal each other. And if they want to be friends bad enough, or it's a good enough connection, you will reconnect. And it's not, it's not a bad thing because we didn't end on bad terms. There was no right. like knockdown drag out dramatic disagreement. It was purely like, okay, someone needs to, to take a step back and they did. And then eventually it was like, okay, I think we're both in a better place where we can have a healthier friendship than we did before. Right. <laughs> we're laughing so much because just of the memories that we have together, just like <laughs> unfathomable. They'll never, never come to light. The people who, if you know, you know, if you don't know, you'll never fucking know. <laughs> but the thing is, is that <laughs> I think that we reconnected at a really good time because now we can really share in the healing process. You know, mm -hmm. I think that outside of my cousin, my cousin, Tara Lynn, she came on and she talked a lot about raising her children after childhood trauma. And, and she's somebody that I speak therapy with all the time. And now I also have you who's also been in therapy and we can use the same verbiage and, and I can really learn from you, which is fantastic. And I learned so much from you too. And the way that I process is verbally and just hearing other people's experiences and then being able to like verbally bounce things off like that helps me tremendously and that helps me heal honestly from all of it and knowing that yes my story from the get-go is an interesting wild ride but the fact that I'm not alone in the sense of that other people have been on their own interesting wild ride and it sucks but we're here and that's now that's great and we have yeah. these connections and we have these friendships and we're able to have our friendship therapy <laughs> yeah no, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I mean, it's really humbling when somebody tells you that they can learn from you because, you know, I, I don't I don't think I'm an expert in anything. I'm not a professional, but it's good when we can have those deep conversations about like the struggles that are going on, because then you can kind of deep dive into it and know that this person is not going to judge you. They're not going to have anything negative to say. 
And I think that that's when you realize that that's a safe person. When somebody starts judging you for something that, you know, you're trying to make a decision, for example, that's an unsafe person. When somebody is going to criticize you and maybe they look at it as they're not benefiting from it or that they look bad because of your decision, et cetera. It doesn't matter. That's not okay. That's a toxic trait in a friendship. That's a red flag. And that's not a safe person. That's when you take a step back and you're like, nope. And that is their issue, not yours. They should understand the boundary of like, if you're needing someone to talk it through with, they shouldn't be judging you and putting their own ideology on you. They should be understanding that this is you and your life and you should be living your life how you want to. And that it's it's really special that that person is coming to you to talk to you about it. And you don't want to push your own self on them because then they can't yeah. be them. That's true. That is so good. That's a good point. Because at the end of the day, what do we want? We want people to be their authentic selves. Otherwise, our friendships are not going to, they're not going to last. And I mean, I know for me personally, my mom could never keep a friend. I don't know that my mom really has friends that she's had long-term in her life. That's something that I've always struggled with was maintaining friendships and maintaining the right type of friendships because I can keep a friend for like, let's say four or five years, but unfortunately down the road, I see red flags that I'm ignoring and I'm ignoring them because I just desperately want to maintain that friendship. And the only reason it ends is usually on their side, creating some sort of, again, knockdown, drag out sort of disagreement that never needed to happen. I definitely think it's okay for friends to part ways like mutually and cordially. But I also think that keeping friendships that are really toxic is not okay either. Yeah, totally. Like it, you want to grow. And so when you're growing, um, you sometimes outgrow friendships or they outgrow you. And it's okay for those friendships to come and go. But it is how you treat them and how they treat you. And it it shouldn't come down to a knockout drag out because if it is, that's, you don't have respect and care for people like treat people how you want to be treated, even if they're treating you like crap. And if they're treating you like crap, put the boundary in place of I can't, I cannot function with being treated like that. I don't care who it's from and just yeah. say no more. And that that is so good to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you realize that you can't talk to somebody because you're afraid of their reaction, that's when you know the friendships should be over. And I'm guilty of that not being able to talk to somebody about things because I've seen their reactions towards other things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I bring this up to them, they're going to, they're going to have a cow or they're going to ghost me, or it's going to be one of two because some people refuse to have conversations face to face, which in this generation is common, but it sucks because these are like really important topics that should be spoken about in person. Because when you're over text, the person, the other person can just ghost, you know, they're not really listening to you. They can come back when they choose at their convenience because they're self-centered or because they're entitled or because of, you know, their lack of empathy. And those are things that we should be able to recognize. And I can't because of how I was raised. And the other thing is having the conversations in person versus like, um, heck, even over video like this is so much better in the sense of you can hear and read tone 
from communicating face to face. Whereas in a text message, you can't read tone. So you could say something and it sound really rude when it's like, I'm just point blanking it. I'm not trying to be rude. But in a text, you can't read tone. Exactly. Yeah. So it could be anything. And Mm -hmm. that hardship is definitely one that I never realized was going to impact me in my future. And I don't think that at the time, my mother had the foresight of what is my adulthood going to look like? What is this action right now? What is that going to cause in the future? And I kind of, I mean, obviously I can wish all day long, but I do wish that was the case. I do wish, hey, if I, if I hadn't been allowed to drink at 14, or like I mentioned before, have the significant other live with me at the age of 14, 15, 16 years old, where would my life be today? Could I have healthier relationships? Right. It's so mind boggling to think of like how... I don't want to say better parenting, but it is it's true in a way because it, and it, I, I think the better way to put it is self care. Yeah. For each individual, because if you do have your own self care and you are taking care of yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically the best to your ability, you're going to do so much better for yourself, your kids, your partners, your environment, like everything around you, you will just start thriving so much better. And you will overcome all the things that you've been through, and the hardships and the things that are really freaking hard because of all the BS you've been through in your life. Because if you don't take care of yourself, guilty of it, like all fingers pointing at me, okay, all fingers pointed at me, guilty of not taking care of myself. And let me tell you that it was the hardest time of my life when everything in my world seemed to be going wrong. I wasn't taking care of me emotionally, mentally, or physically. And I didn't know how to be fair. Yeah. But I also had the expectation that other people would help me. Yes. Yes. Because that's, I I mean, either, either they're going to do it for you, right. As kind of that, that thought, like they're just going to help me. It's fine. Or they just ignore it. Like that's the hard part too, is I feel like when there's no accountability, even in friendships that it's really, really hard to keep going on in life because you're so tone deaf. And I had that a lot of times too, where I didn't realize how tone deaf I was being. And I didn't realize how shitty of a friend I was being because I wasn't being held accountable. I mean, nowadays my dad holds me accountable. He's like, if you ever do that to somebody, I swear, (laughs) you know, I didn't raise you to be like that, which is a good thing. Like he didn't have the opportunity to do that stuff when I was a kid. So even though I'm almost 30, my dad will still lecture me and say, you know, he'll, he'll play devil's advocate for other people. He'll be like, well, you treated them like this. Like, this is the reason why this is happening. And thankfully now, like those lessons have been a huge part of my life in my twenties. Now, when I speak to him about things that are like negative or maybe about other people or what have you, I'm just venting to him. He's like, that's probably because other people had different parents. And that's where I really started to think about relating back to the parent that I did grow up with. And what did that create for my adulthood? And how how do we recover from that? That is, I think, something that I still struggle with. But I think that there's still there's so much healing that has been done that maybe we don't recognize. How, what do you think about that? It is so hard because like there's been so many times in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm I'm here. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I've made it so far. I'm good. I'm good. And then like something like hits you and you're like, uh-huh, I'm not as healed as I thought, but cool. Um, But for me, I know talking it out, like that's 
huge in my healing process is being able to talk it out. Um, self-care, lots of self-care. Yeah. Having understanding friendship and people in your life. And if don't have those people, um, don't keep people around that are subtracting from you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've always heard that if you don't feel refreshed after hanging out with someone, that it's it's a red flag. If somebody makes you feel drained and bad or you're nervous to talk to them about something, it's it's not okay. And I think that's a part of healing too, is, recognize, is being able to be self-aware mm-hmm. and recognizing that. Like being able to say, I was a bad friend to some people, like it's horrible. I think that in itself is a part of healing for me is being able to take accountability for my actions because I can admit when I'm wrong. I will admit when I'm wrong. And I, I mean, I'll fight till the death when I know I'm not wrong, but, but I don't know that I was able to take accountability before. And that I think is something that I've just now realized is a huge part of healing. And I think you're right. I agree. Talking things out is so helpful for me. It just the amount of closure that I've gotten since starting this podcast has been really helpful. And talking to you constantly is so helpful as well, because there's just so many things that you understand or that are my listeners, our listeners who are hearing both of us. Like, I think that there's so much that they can gain from hearing our stories and maybe that'll help them one day want to tell their own. Right. And like, I keep thinking about our friendship and the things that we've been through and the whole accountability thing. Like we both are guilty of not necessarily being accountable for our time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I'm grateful for the times that you did hold me accountable. You were not by any means mean about it either. You were so like nicer than I could have ever imagined, which is why I'm so grateful for you because it was like, you recognize that I was at a point in time in my life in a situation where you're like, "Mm, I don't think she would have made that decision if these circumstances weren't around. And you also too would look back at your own life and say, what was I doing? Because we we have an age difference, not a significant age difference, but a little bit of an age difference. And you would look back and like, okay, what was I doing at that age? And I think that was really helpful for me because one, it did hold me accountable. Like, yes, I did that. That was stupid. But there was also that like, it's okay. Like we can, it was not anything that was so detrimental that we couldn't move forward from it. Oh, absolutely. And we definitely held hands and made fun decisions together that we were needing to be held accountable for afterwards. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I, I honestly think that's part of healing too, because we were able to have that with each other, but also come out of it and not have like the knockout like end of friendship we just kind of both we're gonna take some time and then reconnect and we're both on a better path and it's not like we were on a horrible path or anything we're just making better decisions and not staying in our toxic cycle yeah no, absolutely. I was definitely still within that talk. I mean, I lived with my mom. So it's like, no matter how much I said I wanted to be out of that toxic cycle, it was still there. I was still keeping around yep. these toxic friendships that I should have never been in, you know? And it's like, the good thing is that you and I, we didn't start our friendship in regards to something toxic. Like, yes, we've found out through time that we have a lot in common in regards to this, but that is not the basis of our friendship. And my dad said to me recently, he said, when you have a relationship that starts from something toxic, it's not necessary. I mean, he said it could go well, but I really don't think 
it's going to be long-term. And I really sat back and thought about that. I'm sure that there are plenty of friendships that did start out with things that maybe weren't the best that connected them. But as a pattern that I have seen, it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person was a part of your life for no reason. It's mm-hmm. just there was a season that needed to be had and that season is over, especially when it becomes too toxic to you as a person. And I definitely see that because with my mom, there was nothing but toxic communication with her. It was like, I can't accept a compliment to this day because my mother would be the most horrendous person to me. But then the next day she'd say, you look so pretty. And it's like, shut up. You're full of shit. Don't, don't fucking say that to me. And it got to the point where I would literally tell her that she's like, oh, you look so cute. I'm like, don't say that. And she's like, fine, you look ugly then. I'm like, that's better because that's what I feel is more authentic from you. And it's that sort of toxicity that really does translate into friendships later on or into relationships, romantic relationships. I've also had toxic partners that I should have never had because of that same kind of concept. Well, and it's it's what you learned as a child. Like you learned to not accept a compliment. Yeah. You learned that you can't be told you look good without feeling like, why are you saying this? Like you normally are putting me down. Why are you giving me a compliment? And so then when other people in your lifetime give you a compliment, it is so hard to accept because you think you're just saying that. My mom just said that. Why should I believe you? And then you're, you're stuck in this mindset. And like, it's so hard to comprehend that people would just give a compliment to be nice. And it's genuine. Yeah. 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 And then it turns into like not wanting to accept the nice parts of the friendship, but only, and then it's like pushing aside all the Mm -hmm. red flags, like in a weird way. I don't know how to explain it, but it does, it does translate to that. You know, you accept this form of treatment, right? My mom did eventually start saying like, oh, you just, you look bad. You know what I mean? And that's what I accepted as my reality, right? So Mm -hmm. when a friendship seems fantastic or a relationship romantically seems really great, it isn't until you dig deeper and you really, really go through all the fluff and all the fuzz. And that's when you really start to see, oh my gosh, this is not good. But by the time you see all of that, you're so deep into it that you want to ignore that stuff. I did that for a period of time with my mom. I can honestly say that. Like I would try to see the best in her no matter what, especially because everyone was telling me she's such a great person. Same with your friendships or your relationships. Oh, everybody loves them. But does everybody really know that? them. No, nobody really knew my mom. Just like these people who are I or others could be having in their lives as their friendships are the type of people who could keep people at arm's length the same way my mom did. But you have to really dig deep to see those toxic features. And it is up to you to either identify them or ignore them. And unfortunately, a lot of us choose to ignore them. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely guilty of ignoring them. And it's because even though you hate it, like you're so uncomfortable, you don't like it, it's toxic, you don't enjoy it at all, but you find comfort in it because it's what you do know. And then once you move into a healthy relationship, you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable or this is boring. Like, what is this? Yeah. And then you think that is the bad relationship because it's not what you're used to. And you're like, ooh, ooh, but it is healthy. And then we have the struggle of 
am I bored in this relationship? Is this relationship actually bad? Or is this a really, really healthy relationship that I'm learning to regulate through? Because part of it is learning to regulate yourself after growing up in the environment that you grew up in or going through the experiences you've been through. That's insane because you're so (laughs) The amount of times that I've thought that is like insane to me. It is so insane. I just could not fathom that my relationship was healthy. We've been together four years now. Obviously, some things going right. It's my longest relationship ever, which is so insane to say, but it's like, there's so many things that I had looked at and been like, no, 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 that's not normal. That's not okay. Like I need to leave. But in reality, those things are not at all bad. And I did not realize just how much work a relationship actually takes like you have to every single day try to love I mean you don't try like you love this person but it's like there are moments where you have to work through some really challenging things I mean anything from financial struggles to your own toxic friendships um, that's you know could be interfering with the relationship it could be maybe hobbies that that person is interested in that you know you don't like it it could be their friends it's so many different things that you have to look at and be like okay is this worth fighting for and i didn't know that because i'd never seen that play out in front of me as a kid like as a teenager through those really vulnerable years it was just my mom and she would go from significant other to significant other to significant other and never last more than a year i don't even think she had one last an entire year and i think there's something to say about that now if you are that person i'm not saying that for you. I'm speaking about my mother, but that is a red flag to me, to people that can't hold relationships long-term because of those toxic features. Right. And if you also think about it is your mom grew up learning these things. Yep. She wasn't just born this way. Right. Right. Yeah. So she went through experiences that got her to this point, like to the point that she was as your mother and learned habits. And it's also, she has to grow through it. And it's so hard because it's so hard. Like dude, growing up is hard. No matter what yeah. freaking age you do it at. And it's amazing how, um, like, th- everything that I went through as a kid and how now I'm learning so many different things because I didn't learn them as a kid because of what I was going through. And everyone yeah. else was like, oh, this is stuff that I learned as a kid. No big deal. And I'm like, yeah, that's nice. I'm just learning it now. Yes. No, you're totally right. And that's where I do give grace. It was really hard to want to give grace to somebody like that. Like my mom, who I was, I had a lot of hate for my mom, a lot of negativity, a lot of animosity. And it took a lot of years to be like, okay, there, there's some sort of, I need to have empathy for her because something happened. I mean, she grew up in a different time. She grew up with different parents and, you know, she did the best she could with what she knew. I mean, that's just kind of the fact of the matter. Nobody was around to tell her this isn't right. You know, nobody was sitting there telling her like, Hey, this is not acceptable. Can you change that? Like she had so many enablers around her. Right. And now you get to give yourself the grace as a parent that you are doing absolutely everything you can in your power to be the best person you can be and healing yourself and doing things to be a better parent to not recreate the pattern you're breaking the chain and you are healing and you are 
treating your children differently than how you grew up and you um, are even helping your mom grow up. Thank you. I have a hard time (laughs) accepting that compliment. I, and I think it's just because I have been with myself my entire parenting years that I, I genuinely feel like, man, I have done so much wrong. And I think that's just the, the insecurities within me. I don't know that I could ever view myself as a good parent. So no, I really appreciate that when you are raised by somebody for years and that's the way that you respond to things, you do end up reverting back to that. And it does mm-hmm. suck. It does suck because I'll look at myself in the mirror following that. I'm like, oh my God, I was acting just like my mom right then and there. And that is that is also hard. It's hard to look in the mirror and 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 admit that to myself and say, fuck, I was acting like my mother and I hate myself for it right now. Right. Isn't that always like the worst? And I think it's even a joke where like people I'll be like, you're going to be just like your mother, just like your father. And you're like, no, I won't. And then you're, then you're in the moment and you're like, I was, I don't like that. And then you're so hard on yourself and it's so hard to grow out of those moments, but you do revert back to those. If you're not learning your patterns and learning to deescalate yourself and regulate yourself through those. And when you regulate yourself, you are helping everyone else regulate themselves around you because you are being a role model. Even when it's freaking hard and you're not doing a good job at it, you're still being a great role model for someone to learn to regulate for themselves. And you never know, like even if you're at a grocery store and you have to regulate your emotion, you never know who's watching you. Some little kid could be watching you and learning from you. Some little kid could have been watching us at the grocery store interacting when we first met. (laughs) Right, right. It's like, I want to meet my friend that way. I hope you right. do, sir. I hope you do, or madam, right. whoever. I hope you do. Child, I hope you do. It's No, it's true. And I think it's, I think even still, because that's how I was raised, like, I didn't know it was abuse at the time. Like, right. I had no idea that what I was going through as a kid while I was going through it was a form of abuse. And nowadays, like, when I see people who have healthy parents, like my brother and my little brother and my little sister, these kids grew up with such different parents. <laughs> I did. Right. They have, you know, my stepmom and they have, uh, you know, my dad and his older, more mature, wiser years. When I was a kid, it was especially when my parents divorced. It was just my mother. That's all I had. That's all I knew. So when I see that, I'm like, dang, like, what is that like? I, I, I thought one, I thought I was the only one with a parent, parent like mine. I mean, of course, now with the rise of social media, we recognize that people are coming forward about their stories now, but it's isolating. But I did not know that was abuse. You couldn't tell me it was. I was a bad kid. That was it. I deserved it. Also, isn't it amazing how much isolation happens when there is abuse like that happening? Even if it's self-isolation, it is a, it's mind-boggling Yeah, how much isolation happens and I have learned pretty quickly that um, if I am self-isolating, I'm not going to grow. Yes, I sometimes need to rest and take a step back. But if I'm to the point where I'm isolating myself, man, I'm not growing. And I don't think anyone will grow. You can hibernate and take a season off, you know? Yeah. But don't isolation is so unhealthy when you're in it for too long and with abuse it happens and you don't know how it happened like you'll be in contact with everyone and then two months down the road you'll be like why why am I not talking to anyone I have no friends and isolation and it can be abuse also and that's when things will pick up 
harder. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, when I'm, when I start to isolate from people, that's when I know something's wrong and I need to ask for help because I'm, I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. I'm a very communicative person. And if I'm isolating, it's because I, I'm feeding into my insecurities. And then when I don't talk to anybody, I just keep feeling worse and worse and worse. I'm like, you know, like sinking down like little by little. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I have to reach, I have to put my hand up and be like, no, I need help. Like, you know, this is not me. Help me out of this and like pull me out because isolation, I don't think is helpful, but obviously I'm not a professional. I can't speak to that. I can just speak to my own situation and know that it's, it's not helpful. And it's hard looking back and being like, dang, like that really was abuse though. I I don't really, I don't think I realized it until I was in my twenties when I really understood that, okay, this type of behavior is not normal. The way that I'm acting is not okay. But also the way that I was taught to act, the getting so angry so fast and having nothing but the absolute worst to say about somebody, that's not normal. That's not a good reaction. And at the time, there was no telling my mother that there was no, there's no calm down button for her or people who are like her. Like, what, what do you say in those moments when you're a kid and you start to feel like these things are not okay, but you just take it. You take it because that's your every single day. That's your norm. And that's your safety. That's your parent. That's your love. That's your comfort. That's your home. That's everything. That's what you know. And that's what you grow up in. And then you learn all of that. Even if inside of you, you are like, this is horrible and I don't like it. But you learn the tendencies because you learn how to keep yourself safe and survive in those situations. And then if you don't address them yourself when you're out of the situation or even in the situation, like, um, have you heard of you turn you turn into the five people you surround yourself with? Yes. Yes, I have. I have heard that. In fact, you want to know where I heard that from? Where? The cult I was a part of. <laughs> They would always say that. And, you know, don't don't get me wrong, though. You know, it it was a cult like environment, but some of the teachings, some very few, there were some that were okay, And they would say that they would say your five closest friends are who you are. They would say they would give you examples like if your five friends smoke weed, you smoke weed. I tell you, I know you smoke weed. If your five friends drive trucks, you probably drive a pickup truck or what have you. And that's true. That is true. You are your association. And that helped me a lot, actually. I think when I had joined the cult-like environment is when I really started to understand. But that's because I started picking up books and not just like the bad books that they would recommend because they are there, but some of those self-help books where you're like, oh, okay. And that's when it was like a huge, just light went off. And I was like, fuck. I hope that answers that question. Sorry, that was long-winded. But yes, I have heard <laughs> no, of No, you're good. Yeah, but like, It's true in the sense of like you do pick up. We had our own moments of bouncing off of each other in the sense of like we were doing certain things. And maybe if one of us wasn't doing that thing, we probably wouldn't have made that decision, right? (laughs) I know you're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong and you're right. And it's, it's, I think when you are with good people, Right. But maybe it's good people in bad places, kind of like the way that we were. It's just easier to want to 
disassociate from your real life, which is, I think, what we both did. We didn't like what was going on at home. It was easier for us to just go off and be careless. And as good of ideas as that sounds, it was not a good idea. But the good thing is, is that we now we have that realization now and we don't necessarily have to go disassociate now. We can communicate, express the feelings, get it off our chest, and then we can still live in the moment in our lives, but go and do something healthy as opposed to what we were doing before. We have good old old woman stories to tell. Like when we're yeah, old we women, do. we're going to have such good stories to tell, which is going to be so great because also I think laughter is a huge part of the healing and being able to laugh even when it is really crappy of a situation or it's uncomfortable. I know I laugh when I'm uncomfortable, but also it laughing through things helps me stay positive and just get to the next step that I have to do. Otherwise, I might just put my heels down and put the brakes on and down and isolate. <laughs> and But when you isolate and you put the brakes, you stay stagnant. And that's mm-hmm. the that's the downfall of that. What's funny is you say that you laugh when you're uncomfortable. I do too. And I can, there's one moment that really like sticks in my head where I was really uncomfortable with a conversation, but I'm just sitting there. And it was when I was in this call like environment and the two of the, the leaders who were supposed to be our counselors, they were talking to me and my ex-significant other in the time about something about him. And it was just, I don't even remember what it was, but it was just like one of those serious topics. I'm like, and the, the guy goes, are you laughing? I was like, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm just really uncomfortable. <laughs> and even like, in therapy, sometimes during our group therapy, if I have something to say, if I'm laughing, it's only because like, I don't know how else to handle it. I have a dark sense of humor because of everything. Like, I don't know what else to do. Sometimes it's like, I don't want to cry about it anymore. I already have. All I can do is laugh. That's what I have left. I'm not right. angry about it anymore. <laughs> right. Plus, I, I definitely have spent my time crying. But laughter, like it is so good because it just helps you pick right back up and keep going and uncomfortable situations will just be uncomfortable, but you can giggle through and move on to to something that's not too, (laughs) right? Like, like, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's hard to say that, but it's true. It is true. I don't know how else to handle things. And I think that's something that you and I have in common is we just laugh about everything. I mean, sure, we'll get through the tears and get through everything. But eventually, it's just like, you can't not laugh at some of this stuff. Because some of it, you're just like, you find the humor in it. I mean, there's some things that maybe necessarily don't have humor, but you you can find a way. Don't underestimate people. (laughs) anything Anything can be funny if you're brave enough. That was a joke. I'm sorry. Bad one. But (laughs) (laughs) so when it comes to, you know, the, the healing aspect of going through that, I didn't know it was abuse. What are some ways that you've taken to heal yourself after, you know, you went through a pretty deep part of your story yesterday or yesterday before when we had spoken and what are some, some things that you've done from that point in your life till now that have helped you overcome that traumatic experience? Um, honestly, a lot of reading, a lot of knowledge. Um, I've attended 
um, a comp or not a conference. It's like a women's retreat. Um, and I got to learn about trauma and what it does to the brain and how it affects you in every aspect. Um, and all the counseling that's available, which knowing that information is half of it, because when you don't know all of that, you think there is no way anything can ever good happen and any change. So that was really, really helpful. Um, also, my friendships, my my people, my core people, you are one of them. Um, I'm core person. And, Hello. Right. Core memories, self-care, lots of self-care, self-reflection, being open to the idea that I'm toxic too. Same. And that was a hard pill to swallow, but you learn, you learn it. And that doesn't, that doesn't make me a bad person. But once I'm self-aware, I have to work on it. And if I'm not self-aware, then it needs to be brought up. And so um, keeping an open mind through it all. That's good. I really like that. That's a good list of things. Is there anything else that really hits home for you when it comes to healing? Do the hard things like skydiving. (laughs) Like, honestly, when you face something that's really hard and you overcome that, it gives you so much momentum to keep going that it fills over into like other areas. So then you're, I really found myself after my first skydiving in the sense of like being able to step into finding who I am as an adult, as Kelly, I'm finding myself and I'm still figuring out who I am to this day because I did grow up fawning and people pleasing and I didn't know myself and I didn't like myself. Now I like myself. Yes, there's things I don't like, but hey, I'm in charge. I get to change those things or keep them. I love that. That's so good. And and it's true. For some reason, I had this viewpoint that when I was in my 20s was when I was going to find myself and when I was going to for sure know who I was and have all the friends that I was ever going to need. And I'm learning now that that's not true. <laughs> like everybody who are my friends who are above 30 have told me like, no, I found myself in my 30s. 30s when you really start to see who's going to be around for the long run. Who, you know, you're settling down, you're, you're changing your life. You're, you're really solidifying who you are. And I've always been so scared to turn 30 and I turned 30 this year and there's still a part of me that's a little bit terrified, but the more I hear, the more I'm excited because it's true. You know, I would say that all of my like really close friends who I trust, who I've had in my life for a long time, they are all either my age or above. And I think the only person who's younger than me at this point is Jacob. And he's the only person that has maintained who is younger than me, who has stayed around. And I think you're right when you had said earlier that you grow out of people. And I think that's a huge part of self-care too, is Mm. you have to be able to accept when you grow out of people and you have to move forward from it because otherwise it's just, you're, you're holding on to something that doesn't fulfill you. And that doesn't need to say that every single thing in your life needs to make you feel over the moon, but there, there does need to be some sort of fulfillment out of the things that you are holding near and dear to, because otherwise 
you are feeling negative and draw and, you know, taken, what is that like held back? And those are, I think things that I've had to really do to help myself. And I agree with you, like everything that you're saying, I think the biggest thing has been the friendship groups, because that's the one thing I've struggled with because yeah, I've been toxic. I am 100% guilty of being a toxic person. And I really attribute that to, I didn't know better growing up. And I didn't learn about it until I was an adult. And of course, every single day I can try to be better. There are still going to be people who are going to view me as like the worst person in the world. Fair enough for them. I mean, my dad always says, what other people think of you is not your business. Like It doesn't matter, especially if they're not a part of your life. The self-care aspect is huge. And I never realized until recently that self-care is more than just going and getting your nails done and more than just like physical things that you can do for yourself. It's eating better. It's going places. It's skydiving, you know, facing your fears. It's every aspect of your life that is doing things for you. And yeah, and talking, (laughs) talking is huge, but it's a lot. It's a lot when you've come from something so so detrimental in your life. Because at the end of the day, yes, we have those memories. Yes, we have that trauma, but it doesn't have to define us anymore. Yes. Yes. And because like you grow up thinking it is defining of who you are and what you are and who you will be and everything. And that is so scary when you're growing up. And when you get out of it, it it doesn't define you. And you have to give yourself grace and forgive yourself for the person you were while surviving it. What are some some of your biggest recovery tips from, you know, maybe people who have been through the same things as us who have had, you know, toxic parents or people who are exiting toxic relationships, just any negative thing? What are some tips that you would recommend for people who are either who are at any phase in their healing journey? Make sure you have good friends. And if you don't reach out, find a group that you can connect with. Because I promise you, some crazy girl will flag you down at the grocery store because you have the same shirt on. People will come in your life when you need them. They will. You have to be open to it. And that I I know personally, that's been part of my healing is I've tried to close myself off from people. Um, it won't help. I promise. Um, so find a group. Find people. Find your person. Find accountability for yourself. Don't beat yourself up and get excited and learn and get excited for who you get to be because you get to decide. That's really good. And that's true. I think when when people, you know, overcome traumas, it's hard to. It's hard when you have to face what you've been through. I mean, uh, from essay, from DV, from, uh, I try to be careful with the words that I say, but it rhymes with great. Um, it's very challenging. You know, those are situations where, you almost blame yourself. I can't speak to every situation, but you blame yourself for a while. And I I would say that you're right when you say don't blame yourself. Like take accountability for what you can do for yourself, Uh but don't blame yourself for things that you had no control over. Like if you were abused, like that's not your fault. You never asked for it. It was never something that you had ever intended to be a part of for people to sit there and, and victim blame and all these other things. Like it's nonsense. You know, you, when we say take accountability, it doesn't mean that you need to say that you're the one in the wrong. It means 
you get to be who you want to be. And this is your narrative, your story that you get to either speak or don't speak, doesn't matter, whatever you want to do. But that's what we mean when we say accountability Um, therapy. I would 10 out of 10 recommend therapy. Yep. And and again, on the accountability, it is uh, basically like in the sense of I'm now accountable for how I act and react. And so therefore I need, I want to, and need to be accountable for myself and how I am not taking on. Yes. And not taking on the things that are not my fault. Yeah. They're not, and they're and not your faults. If Yeah. If it's <laughs> happened, like it's, it's not like, it's not our fault that we had parents the way that we did, you know, it's just the draw of the card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no way that, you know, and, and of course they didn't, choose the parents that they did that made them that way. And I think that's the biggest thing that we really wanted to talk about is how has narcissistic parenthood parenting impacted us as children and how did it further impact us as adults? But I think we also wanted to connect on the recovery. How do we cope with that? And how can you cope with that if that's something that you are going through? And hopefully you're not, you know, if you're in a safe place, I'm so glad you're in a safe place. If you're in an unsafe situation, the domestic violence hotline, uh, that is a very safe place to call. I will link it in the episode description because it doesn't matter who it is. If you need help, you need help. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help. We just want to be here as advocates because we didn't necessarily have the best advocates growing up. And if we can be advocates, we want to. So hopefully somebody gains something from this. I know we did. Yeah, because I definitely, growing up, I didn't feel safe to talk about any of it ever. And I remember going to counseling. I remember at one point CPS was involved in my childhood and I refused to talk about anything. And I didn't feel like I had someone safe that I could express everything to. And the domestic hot or domestic violence hotline is definitely like they are amazing and will help help you know what to do next if needed there's it's a no it's a no judgment zone you can call in and be anonymous it doesn't matter like just just ask for help that's the one thing I really wish I would have done when I was younger was ask for help Mm -hmm. because even though it feels normal we all have that instinct within ourselves that we feel it this is not okay with me this makes my body uncomfortable this makes me upset okay it's okay to feel like that and it's okay to ask for help it's okay to say this is uncomfortable can you tell me if this is safe or not because maybe we don't know i know i didn't know as a kid whether what was going on at home was safe or not i've learned now that it's not but i didn't know back then and if somebody would have asked me i probably would have said no nothing's going on but if they would have asked me what did your morning look like and i would have said well my mom did x y and z they probably would have said no that's not safe. And I actually, my cousin, Tara Lynn, she did on her episode as well. She said, if somebody had come up and asked me if I was not okay, I probably would have told them. But at the end of the day, not everyone's going to ask us, are you okay? And I just really hope that people ask for help and feel confident enough in themselves to ask for help. Yeah, absolutely. And if you ask for help and that person can't help, keep asking for help go find someone who can because there is help because I know I remember you trying to open my eyes yeah you it's like we're talking about me I yeah I remember you tried to open my eyes to the abuse I was experiencing and 
I didn't think it was abuse. And now when I look back, I'm like, what? Hi. Wow. What was going through my head? Because that, that, that's abuse. Yeah. And it's, it's hard when, when, when you can see it from the outside, because not everybody can. And even when you're in it, people are telling you this is not okay. Like, like friendships or relationships, you know, you have people telling you like, this is not a good friend. Like you need to stop being friends with this person, or you need to stop dating this person, or your job is really unsafe. Like stop doing it. Like we don't tend to want to believe that, especially if it's coming from somebody we haven't known as long or as well as our partner. And you're the one who told me that you're the one who said when I had been telling you about a situation that was going on and I wasn't listening to my partner and you said, well, it's because you're listening to somebody you've known longer that you thought you could trust. But in reality, your partner was right (laughs) and it can happen. So it's, yeah. it's all around us. We just have to open our eyes to it and, and not be afraid to say it when we see it. But it's also hard to say it when you see it. It's hard. It's hard to say, like, I don't think you're in a safe situation right now. Like, unless you really trust somebody, I don't know that I'd go up to a stranger and be like, hey, I don't think you're in a safe situation. But that doesn't mean that you can't make an anonymous phone call either. You can absolutely, I've done mm-hmm. that for somebody. I have called the domestic violence hotline and been like, hey, I don't know what to do about this situation. I think somebody might be in an unsafe space. What can I do? And they helped navigate that situation for me and um, they can help you too. So if you see it, say something, but you don't have to say it directly to that person if it's not safe for them or you. They would be so helpful. They really will. And they know, they know the legal side of it all and will keep you safe and everyone else safe in the situation too. Yeah. Wow. That was heavy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm really grateful if you're, if you're here listening again, I really hope that we were able to help you with this and it's so healing to be able to talk about this kind of stuff and, and to be able to hopefully make a difference somewhere. But If anything, thank you for listening to our stories and making us feel heard. Kelly, thank you so much for coming and again, being a guest. We are so grateful to hear from you because I mean, from what I understand, this is not something that you were so outspoken about. So for you to trust this environment to come and and speak on these things is amazing. So thank you for trusting me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love talking with you. Thank you guys so much for coming. Um, If you want to follow, if you want to, please follow. Okay, you can follow us on Instagram at X's and T underscore podcast, TikTok at X's and T underscore podcast. You can Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I upload Tuesdays and Fridays. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next time.